We're back with a new episode of Cage Side: The Art of Fighting. Uh, we're a little different now, a little, so a little different branding. You know, a, a, a new look. Um, it's a new year. Why not, right? Everybody's trying to do new me, new this. Uh, so I figured uh, I, I'd take the show into a little bit more of of my style of things. So new logos, new, new, you know, new imagery a little bit. Um, and with that, uh, different types of interviews too. So not just fighters and people talking about, you know, not breaking down the fights. That's not really what I do. I don't break down fights. There's better channels for that. There's better people for that. Um, but I do like talking fighting. I do like talking with fighters. Um, and I enjoy the whole aspect of fighting. So everything from the, the hard work in the, in the gym, right. To, to the, to the nutrition and to, um, the lifestyle and, and, and the backgrounds and all this stuff. There's a lot of interesting people that kind of touch fighters along the way and not, you know, they usually don't get the spotlight or just, you know, uh, people don't really dive into it too much. So that's, that's kind of what I'm, I'm more into. So today specifically on this episode, um, we went that way. I thought since there's no fights this weekend, what better person to get on than a nutritionist, um, a weight cutting specialist, somebody who, who works with the biggest fighters out there. Uh, Ian Larios, I've been following him for a bit now. Um, you know, he's, he's the best of the best out there and he works with fighters that, uh, that, you know, and he's instrumental in the things that these people eat and the things that these people have to do as they approach fight, uh, fight day. Uh, just a very important part of fighting, uh, super interesting guy, super interesting, uh, background. Uh, he's currently in Bali. So timing this was fun. <laughs> and, uh, I think it's just, uh, it's a, it's a great part of fighting that everybody kind of needs to be more aware of. So with that said, here is Ian Lars. But dude, thanks for coming on the show, man. I appreciate it. Of course, man. Thank you for having me. So, so I'll tell you a little bit about what I know about you. You know, I've been following you for, for a bit. Um, and I actually caught on to your story when you were talking about wanting to move to Bali. Can okay. you, so that's where you're at right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm in, in Bali and in, in Indonesia right now. Um, Used to live here. Uh, we moved out here right before the pandemic, um, and then my visa situation was still getting sorted, so had to go back to the states um, to kind of get that sorted. And didn't want the island to close and kind of get stuck here because I had a bunch of camps coming up, uh, DC's camp coming up. Um, so it was just one of those things where I had to make the decision to either stay and kind of wait it out or play it on the safe side and go back uh, to the States and kind of wait it out a little bit where it ended up working out because obviously the UFC was putting out a bunch of fights during the pandemic, but um, yeah. I wouldn't mind getting stuck here. Worst case scenario, if that, right. was, the, that was the case. So, so where, so what, what's the kind of the, the living situation where you're at right there in, in Bali? Like, are you in a, in like, are you on the beach or where, like paint a picture of where you're kind of living these days? I'm about five minutes from the beach, so I have a house here, um, jump on the scooter, five minutes to the beach, um, three minutes to the gym, um, so perfectly kind of centrally located between everywhere I, I spend my time, um, and then there's a gym I train at called the uh, Body Factory that I uh, go to every day, and they got like a beautiful sauna, cold plunge, everything there, so I kind of... Nice. I'm everywhere. Yeah, every, everywhere where I need to go is close, and uh, there's a bunch of beaches around here. So the closest one's about five minutes. Where did Where did you grow up, though? I grew up. I actually grew up internationally, but I was born in, in Reno, Nevada. My okay. parents are international school teachers, so I grew up traveling, um, and only lived in the states for school and uh, well, college, and then um, 
for a few months when I was born, and then we went to Malaysia, uh, Peru, Venezuela, Czech Republic. Um, so I've lived all over. So kind of transitioning to living here was more normal than when I went back home to go to school and uh, kind of adapting to American culture and right. uh, being American, but not really knowing much about what is what life was like uh, in the states. So how long did you spend in the states? Total, um, I'm twenty twenty seven. Um, I probably spent four years in the states. Oh wow! Total. Okay. Yeah, five years. Four, four or five years. Okay. So are you trying? Um, are you trying to make Bali like a like a stationary home for a long time, or are you just the type of guy who's just going to be constantly kind of hopping around? Well, I mean, with my work, I'm constantly kind of jumping back and forth. Um, I definitely want this place to kind of be like my my base camp. So I just, I, I'm here. Um, I have everything I need here training wise. Um, all my friends are here. Um, and so just kind of be based out of here. And then when kind of the world goes back to normal, just, just fly out whenever I need to for camps. And this, will, this is kind of my happy place. So when camps are over, come back home, relax a little bit, train right. and, uh, kind of just be able to have some me time here. So I'm I'm originally from Puerto Rico. Have you been to Puerto Rico before? I have. I is have it once. is there any comparison there between Bali and Puerto Rico for somebody like me who haven't been you know hasn't been that, that way? Um, it's somewhat somewhat similar, but out here, I mean, it depends where you go. Um, it's definitely a lot more hectic here at times. Okay. Um, but but yeah, as far as like the rainforest and all that goes, it's kind of the same like climate. Okay. Um, but it's definitely humid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely humid. Um, um, so how do you how did you get into this whole thing, man? You know, what's what's kind of your background, and how did you get into the whole nutrition and, and coaching in that in that sense? So I I grew up. My mom's a health teacher, so I grew up in a super uh, health conscious home. Um, always always loved cooking. Um, I grew up kind of in the kitchen. Um, that was kind of like my first interest was cooking. I'd spend all my time kind of at home and just kind of just cooking for my parents, um, cooking for the family. Mm -hmm. And um, that's really where it kind of like sparked my interest. And then I became a UFC fan. And uh, just randomly, I think I was just watching old fights on YouTube and, and then just became obsessed with watching fights. I was pretty much all I did was cook and watch fights. And so the goal became to, to be a chef for, for fighters. I didn't really know anything about weight cutting or that these guys cut weight. Um, and then as I grew up, I realized that there was a, a huge, uh, <laughs> these guys were cutting lots of weight um, in most cases. And it, uh, it was gonna be an opportunity for me to, if I wanted to cook for these guys, I need to learn more about nutrition. Um, so that obviously kind of sparked my interest for nutrition and, um, I love that as well. So it kind of became a, where I got to combine all three of my interests with cooking, uh, nutrition, and then obviously being a fight fan, um, into, into a career. And then you, and then you go ahead and do you jump in straight into the whole Lockhart world or like, are you, or do you start with other like smaller fighters and kind of build your way there? 
So I went to school for a little bit in Vegas, um, and then I had the opportunity to go to Thailand and um, do an, an internship at Tiger Muay Thai. Um, there was a chef there at the time that was willing to take me under his wing if I came out there, and um, he wasn't too big on the nutrition side, but they were kind of transitioning towards that. They were changing up what they were doing at the restaurant at Tiger. Um, and so I was wanting to help with that. And so he's like, if you get, if you get a ticket out here, um, and you can find a place to stay, um, come out here and you can, you can do it. And I was, I bought a ticket the next day, um, walk into work, quit my job. And, um, I think I was flying to Thailand within the next probably two weeks, um, to, to go live there as, long as I had to, to kind of get some experience and mm-hmm. get in front of the right people. Um, and then I had a chance encounter with one of the gym owners here in Bali, just randomly at a, at a restaurant. And um, I came to Bali a lot growing up because when we were in Malaysia, it was just a three hour flight. So we'd spend Christmases here. And my goal was always to live here. That was the dream to, to, to move to Bali and live in Bali as an adult. Um, and. And Andrew was saying how he, Andrew's the gym owner here in Bali, he was saying how they're going to move to Bali and open up a gym. And um, so I kind of followed him on Facebook and I was like, man, that'd be awesome to be able to go to Bali like early on yeah. and, and kind of be the guy there. Because Tiger had lots of people coming in um, to Phuket just because it's such a big training training hub. There's there's this, it's called Fight, we call it Fight Street and there's probably five, six Muay Thai, MMA gyms, Jiu-Jitsu gyms and a bunch of like health food restaurants on the street mm-hmm. so it's pretty saturated in terms of like if i was trying to get my foot in the door and like work with fighters or so there's so many options but um i just chose the guys that uh had the least amount of money to get experience with and worked with them for free at, in, in thailand and uh then they opened up the gym in bali so i was like i'm i'm gonna try try things out in bali shot over to bali and uh it was like literally the day maybe a week after the gym opened um, there was two fighters here, um, and the, the Super Brothers. Um, they fight for, for one championship, so they're like my first real paying clients. Um, they started their camps, um, and yeah, there was really no one here quite yet. There was, was a new gym, and they were still trying to kind of get the word out there. And um, so yeah, they were like my first clients here, and uh, that's when I was about 20, 22. So I've been back and forth to the States and Bali for the past past six years um and uh and yeah the goal was always to settle down here um but when i had the chance to to join george's team and the lockhart team um i had to make the decision to go back home um and that's home where is it's like is it home but go back to the states where where are they uh, based out of are they are they here in the east coast or are they in vegas so George is from Atlanta and Dan's from Michigan, but they basically just wanted me to live in the States. Okay. Like they didn't say that, but all the fights were in the States. They were they weren't really doing international cards um, until I came on board. Um, every now and then they would, but um, I kind of needed to be based in the U.S. to to have a bet, to have a good crack at it because um, they were trying to bring a few people on board, and it was. It was going to be a competitive, like, who was going to be their main guy at first. Right. Um, and I wanted that to be me. So I smuggled my dog, who <laughs> I, I rescued here. 
Um, if you can't get dogs off the island, so I did literally right. find a dog smuggler on Facebook and gave him the rest of the money I saved up to get my dog back home. Uh, got got her back to. Uh, she flew in. She wait, wait, take, wait, like, wait, a, wait. How did they smuggle the dog? Did they have to get it out like on a on a boat? Like, how did that work? Yeah. So she takes. They they put her in a car. So they picked her up, put her in a car, which goes to a boat, and then they take the boat. Um, and it's it's like a, I think it was a two week journey she had all by land, but she took like every transportation available. She took like a, a train, a boat, a car, to a plane, and so that's just to go to Jakarta. Because when she's in Jakarta, which is here in Indonesia, she can she can fly out. So she she had to jump, fly the from Jakarta to San Francisco, which is still 20 plus hours yeah. of travel. So she had a... Dude, that's, that's, that's love for a pet. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't, I, couldn't leave, I couldn't leave her behind. She was my... We, I had nothing out here, you know. I was still, I was still trying to, to, uh, to make some money and we were just... Man, I was surviving off fight week per diems and a little bit of money that the fighters would give me because we were all still trying to kind of come up in the sport. And we were all living together, and she was always there. And yeah, she she had to come. She had to come back home with me because she was there for when it was uh, when we were <laughs> eating rice and chicken and couldn't afford dog food. Right, right, so, right, 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 right. You gotta, you gotta take her with you. Yeah, um, take her with me. So I mean, yeah, for, I, for for whoever doesn't know, you know, who, who the, the guys you're mentioning, who you work with, you know, George and these at this at this level, which a lot of people have, you know, have gotten to know them. Uh, they become more popular in, in the spotlight with with fighting, but we're talking the best of the best fighters use you guys. Yeah, we're talking. Yeah. I'll, I'll mention two names just to, to just set it out there. They work with McGregor. They work with Tyson Fury. Correct. Yeah. So I mean, on the two different sports, those are you know the two two biggest names right there. And yeah. uh, and and not only are they responsible for one fight camp, but it's repetitive, which means that these guys are making weight, these guys are healthy, and these guys are looking better than ever. So that's yeah. just the caliber. Now, and then obviously specific to you, now you can please add more names because from just seeing you, I know uh, DC, uh, yep. Cody, Paul yep. Felder, our Philly guy, yeah. Um, yeah, Aldana, you work with Aldana too? Yeah, work with Aldana. Who, who else, who else have, or have you recently worked with? Um, worked with Kane when he was fighting. Um, same, same fight and, camp as, you know, same DC, yeah. DC group. Yeah. yeah. Jeff Neal, uh, Luke Rockhold, um, man, honestly, on every, uh, we, we have guys on every single fight card, um, and through the pandemic, I was working with a lot of guys, but, um, cause the way, the way the UFC was structuring it, it was, we were having to do it kind of, um, remotely, um, oh, wow. so we weren't, we weren't really sharing that as, as much as we normally do, um, so we kind of had to adapt, like, a lot through the pandemic um so we were still in florida um but we were having to kind of coach these guys remotely and through facetime and um so that was definitely a new change um but as far as the rest of the guys we i worked with this year um paul felder obviously philly um one of by the way which one, one of the craziest weight cuts you know last minute fights out there absolutely crazy <laughs> and the only the only guy that I could confidently say that would get that done on short notice like that, realistically, it was four days. Um, is Paul? 
and it was great that he was in training for a marathon and right. light, but right. he definitely wasn't light, light, but he got it done, and um, yeah, by far one of the craziest um, weight cuts I've been part of, and I've been part of some some weight cuts. For, right. <laughs> I've been so, part of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of weight cuts all over the world, so, and um that's definitely one of them. So I want to get into the nitty gritty about that stuff because I'm super curious about it. And I, I think it's a it's an art that's not appreciated probably as much as it should. Uh, and it's a huge part of fighting. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a must, right, when it comes to fighting. Yeah. But um, so real quick, Fight Island, does that benefit you where you're located? Like, are, do you have any guys coming up in the next two, not th- I guess three weeks? Um, I do, but I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be going. Um, so I'm going to kind of just be doing remote coaching on that card as well. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's definitely closer, closer to here. Um, but if I were to have any fighters that I was doing camps with, I would have to fly back to the States, do those camps and then fly to Fight Island from there. So it'd be actually more, more travel because then I have to fly back to the States and then back to here. So do you, Um, so is there two kind of tiers to how you work? It's like... The remote coaching is a little bit more kind of closer to the fights where if you are working with, you know, with a with a name or whatever it might be and you're part of the camp, you're there almost living with a guy, right? Or girl. Yeah, I'm, at, I'm, I'm 100% living with a guy um, pretty much attached to their hip for the whole, the whole camp. Um, so with DC, usually do about eight weeks with him. So I'm living with his family, um, staying in his guest room going everywhere he goes I'm, I'm part of the part of the family for eight plus weeks now how do they how do they perceive you when you're probably the guy who's going to make everybody cranky at some point because you're the one help helping them cut weight and get cranky because of cutting weight yeah you're, you're, the, you're the guy that <laughs> you're, you're the you're the reason for the problem <laughs> where they'll be mad at you but they'll, they'll love you too of course they make weight you know but with with dc i only did um some of a, a fight at light heavyweight, um, and the rest of the fights were at heavyweight. So that's easy peasy. We were, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was kind of just cleaning up, cleaning up his habits, and just helping him recover, um, and just more so, just really focused on getting him to the fight healthy, um, injury free, and just and just healthy. Um, so they were fun camps, you know. Like we weren't too too worried about. Um, being at a calorie deficit or anything like that, like we'd have to be when he's cutting down all that weight. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more so just performance based. So if he's doing well in the gym, recovering well, then uh, I'm doing my job. So <clears throat> the nutrition aspect is something that you handle. Do you factor in things they like um, and then kind of yeah, cater menus time. to that? Big time. Yeah. So kind of like, especially DC, he's very, very picky. So it took me a couple a couple tries with him and then I kind of knew exactly what he liked um, and then I, he started loving Thai food so I was doing healthy renditions of Thai food Indian food kind of just cleaning up uh, and doing healthy versions of Indian food and obviously his, he's from Louisiana so doing, <laughs> doing healthy versions of like gumbo yeah, yeah. and stuff like that he loved no. um, and he, he couldn't tell the difference between uh Towards the end of camp, once I got really good at making, you couldn't tell the difference between the unhealthy gumbo and my gumbo. So that's that good. That's a lot to say. Good, uh, <laughs> feather in my cap. Yep. Now, how? What's the family dynamic like? Does the family eat their own thing and make their own thing, and you're just like you're cooking in their kitchen, but just for DC or whoever you're training? 
at that point? Usually, I mean, the best way to, like, have the fighter be happy with you is to make sure the wife is happy. So I, I always cook for the wife and, like, make sure, like, she's eating good, too, and loves the food. Because um, that takes a big stress off her back, too. Because, like, she doesn't have to cook and they have kids. Yeah. She's worried, but she's cooking for the kids. So it's just, I'll usually just cook for the wives, too just to like make it easier and uh to to be on their good side right right you got to keep the family peace <laughs> got to keep the family peace yeah and i mean through food through good food it's easy now and i see you you're you so when you're i see you like working out with the guys or you know kind of always part of sitting down with them while they're in the middle of cutting weight so you you take a lot of that you take the brunt of that work too right so you're you're physically yeah. needing to be fit and kind of hang with them just to kind of vibe and see what they need during during the... Yep. And then I know what they're going through as well because I've, I've done tons of weight cuts, you know. I used to cut weight and do water loads and test it on myself before I tested on anybody else. Like, that's what I used to spend my time doing. Like, when all my friends were partying, I was water loading, you know. So it was like, it's... I've been there. I know how they're feeling. Um, the only difference is, like, I haven't gone out and fought the next night, but I've gone and I've done test on like endurance and uh, gone and sparred and after a weight cut and like tested it that way um so like i've I've been in the positions they have i've cut over 17 18 pounds in 24 hours um so i've been there right and that gives you kind of that intangible experience where it's like i've i know what they're going through to an extent um i know how they feel um so I'm not just that guy that's sitting on the outside and tapping on the glass and putting my fingers up for how much more time they have in that sauna or right. sitting next to the bath and, and telling them how much time they have. Because I've been in there, and I, it's a very vulnerable position, you know? <clears throat> right. Um, so making sure it's the, the safest uh, possible and making sure I'm there to, to comfort them and make sure that they're in good hands is, is my number one priority. And... Um, I think that's why I, I have such a great relationship with all the guys I, I work with, um, guys and girls I work with. So where where does the so usually the week of the fight is when you start you know the, the water loading and, and the and the cutting the water weight. Um, what's what's too late for like if you're if you're dealing with a fighter who's on a calorie deficit just to get them to a certain weight? When is it too late? Like is it two weeks out? Where you know you kind of know where you're at. It's going to vary. It's like if guys are carrying a lot, like a lot of muscle, it's going to be easier just because... Holds muscle, a lot of water. Holds a lot of water. If right. guys are out of shape and guys are fat, not fat, but like guys are just fatter than they usually are, um, that's when it's already going to be a doozy. You know, that's when it's going to be a struggle because they're not they're not in the shape they're normally, they're normally in. Their body's not... Um, kind of ready and accustomed to to training and working hard and being at a calorie deficit so it's i'd say that's when it's too late when guys are too heavy and kind of coming off the couch and we saw that a lot during this pandemic yeah where guys would take fights and and miss weight by significant a significant amount um just because they weren't training like they normally are they were heavier um a lot of guys didn't know if the ufc was going to have fights during the pandemic so they were kind of sitting right. at home and a lot of people didn't even have the option of leaving their homes right so when you're stuck at home and bored most people are kind of just eating things they're not supposed to be eating or they're yeah. just eating more and moving moving less right so um 
But in terms of what, like when it's too late, it's gonna it's gonna vary. I mean, if you're taking a fight short notice and you haven't been training, it's gonna be rough, you know. Um, sorry, a bug just flew in my eye. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, as far as uh, it, it's better to be ready uh, year round, kind of just have a structured diet and and a weight you will like can't go over. You know, like if if you start getting close to those numbers, dial it back. Yeah, and that's what I tell all my guys. Like, you can't get over this weight, and or just most to, time, just to give you a, a comfortable. Tell me, <laughs> they don't want to tell you. No, most of the time they'll get over that weight and not tell me. Oh, but like oh, I'll see, I could just see it in their face, or I could see it in pictures. Right, and you're like, so I don't believe yeah, it. Just, <laughs> I don't believe it for one minute that you're that weight that you're saying. Yeah. That's funny. Exactly. And so I like to guys have like have them get back to the weight that I told them not to get over by themselves. Because gotcha. it's like that's on them. You know, like I'll I'll help them from there, but like I told them not to get over that weight. And if they do, it's like, man, like you gotta talk to me when you're within a reasonable amount and I'm more than happy to help you. Right. But you can't be eating multiple Snicker bars at night at twelve o'clock and <laughs> right, right, right. Having Captain Crunch at two AM. Um as as good as As good as that, that sounds, sound, right? After burning all those calories, I'm sure, training yeah, or whatever. When, yeah. when you when you're in the sauna and when you're in the bath six weeks six, eight weeks down the road and you're hurting those are the decisions that you made a few weeks down the road that are gonna kind of impact uh, right. how difficult this process is gonna be. So um to just kind of dial it into a, a normal human uh, non-athlete performer, um, what what is like the what are the main things you think if people are trying to to be healthy and lose weight at a at a good rate, what are like the thing? Is it all just strictly clean eating? Like, what's the one thing that you would offer that's different? Um, for just for regular people, is just minimizing the processed food you eat and just moving, moving as much as you can. Um, obviously now with gyms being closed wherever, in, in certain places, but if you can really focus on the, the quality of food you're eating and, and the water you're drinking, I mean, drink, drink, drink water before you eat, drink water with a meal, eat a clean, unprocessed meal, um, with, with some good clean protein, um, and, uh, Obviously, people say eat your vegetables. I'm big on eating your vegetables. If you get a couple of handfuls of vegetables, a couple of vegetables with each meal, you'll be taking steps towards uh, towards your goals. And that's the biggest thing that I tell people. It's like, especially after New Year's, you know, you set these big goals for yourself. Some people are like, oh, I want to train. I want to go to the gym six times a week. And last year, they only went to the gym two times or one time a week. It's like you're setting these big goals for yourself, which is great if you can kind of stay accountable to them but if you go four times like you're already not hitting that goal you know so it's not a it's yeah. not a realistic goal for a lot of people right so setting realistic goals and realistic expectation expectations for yourself um is one thing i try to really tell people this time of year just because if people get excited it's january 1st like let's get it i'm all on board for that but i also don't like to see people like Ah, uh, like I didn't go. I didn't go. T I missed two sessions last week. Like I'm gonna, 
and they start like well then you hit that dark side and then yeah you hit the dark side and then you want to eat the captain crunch at three in the morning and then you say you know i might as well since i didn't yeah so yeah so then you start kind of start that self that self-sabotage effect of it right um and so yeah that's the biggest thing i try to tell people like set set good goals and then like let's say if it's three times a week and, and you're crushing it then the next month let's bump it up to four and see it see how that goes and yeah and really monitor your eating and uh set goals that you can be proud of yourself of at the end of the month like, man i said accountable to myself and i said accountable accountable to my body and and uh and you and that's the that's the biggest thing it's like i've, I've been there before too where i've set big goals for myself and then realized that i was uh <laughs> biting off a little bit more than i could choose schedule wise yeah and i had to dial it back but not not get completely off the tracks all right, so I'll, I'll, I know I know you got to go. You know, we have a 13-hour time difference, so I know you're about to start your day, and I'm slowly ending it. But um, I have three questions for you, and then I'll let you go. Um, okay. So if you're not – if you can't say who's who gets the crankiest during, during the weight cut eating process, healthy eating process, then give me who has, like, the funnest camp. If you can give me both, great, but I get it. I don't want, I don't want you throwing anybody under the bus. The, the funnest camp uh... – DC's camps are are a blast. DC's camps, I have this the whole crew he has around him. Um, DC himself is is always a fun guy to be around, um, especially for eight weeks straight. I uh, <laughs> so I, I definitely say DC and and his his entourage for his camp are. I'm like I'm I'm <laughs> yeah, but I definitely say. I miss those camps, you know, and I those those were just that was like six what five months ago, but I'm definitely gonna miss those camps now that he's kind of uh, now that he's retired yeah. and, and focusing on other things. So they're definitely that's definitely a camp that I'm gonna miss. Um, this camps at AKA are great. All the guys like I've worked with Luke, I've worked with Kane. The energy at AKA is something special, and uh, they got a bunch of cool guys over there and uh that's always a camp that i enjoy doing and it feels san jose feels a little little bit like home right uh when i go out there awesome um philly have you been to philly i have i actually worked the philly card in uh when was that philly that card? was that was gate that was gate she barboza that was a great fight yeah great fight wild fight yeah yeah i worked that i worked that card um but we stayed in yeah, I think we. I don't know where we stayed. We we didn't stay in Philly though. We stayed in. It was like I'm awful at my states. I was gonna say Delaware. Is Delaware? Oh near? wow! Yeah, you could. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Delaware, Jersey. Yeah, you, yeah you, you're there. Yeah, no, we definitely. <laughs> but why did you stay in Delaware? That's weird. And we stayed at the Crown, like the Crown Plaza or something in Delaware. And like, okay. It was like I felt like we were like went in a time machine, and it was like because the gym next to the hotel was like yeah out of like the 70s. So it was, it's weird, but right, right, I right. guess the UFC couldn't find uh, enough space for the. I think they booked the hotel late or something that week because it was. Gotcha. You can always rely on Delaware hotel. to have a little more space availability than Philly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's sure. funny. So, is there anything that sticks out to you, Philly-wise? Philly food, Philly location, or Philly, or we're gonna have to wait for you to come cool. back? I. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely. I, I didn't really get to see a lot. Um, I definitely have to do Philly with Paul because every time I've been with Paul, he there's all these spots in Philly that he always talks about in terms of food, um, his favorite bars, um, 
but I during fight weeks I'm so, I had six guys on that card, so I was so busy that I really didn't get to do much. But I think I went to one one famous breakfast spot there. I forgot the name of it. It's right in downtown, and it's got, usually got like a huge line. Um, but um, that's pretty much all I really got to do. I was pretty much stuck in the hotel room. Yeah, in Delaware. In Delaware. And, uh, <laughs> Eating a Delaware cheesesteak instead of a Philly cheesesteak. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I haven't had an actual Philly cheesesteak. Oh wait, no, that's a lie. I did have a Philly cheesesteak. Um, I did. We, we did go out and have a Philly cheesesteak. Okay, um, that's good. Right, right before we went to the airport. Right. So, I won't even so. ask you which one because that takes us to a whole different conversation. Uh, which place you get it from? That's yeah. Oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to take the wrong one. So yeah. I'll say I forgot which which one it was. All right, good, good. Well, whenever you come back, we'll take you around and we'll we'll do something fun if you have time. Sweet, sweet. Um, and the last question, I love that you're a fight fan because uh, as many fighters and random people that I try to talk to on this show, it's not always that you get an actual fight fan that you can kind of, you know, chat with. Now we don't have too many, well, we don't have fights this weekend coming up, but, um, what, like, what's one fight or one fighter you can't wait to see in the next three weeks? One fighter I can't wait to see in the next three weeks. (sighs) I'm really excited for that Max Holloway, Calvin Cater fight. That's, That's going to be wild. That's going to be a wild one. I love Max. Max is my boy. I've known Max for a long time, so I'm excited for him. I thought he did enough to beat Volkanovski. I thought um, so too, man. That last one was so, his, I thought. So I think it's going to be, he's going to come out with something to prove, and Cater's nasty. He's He's got that same kind of chip on his shoulder, trying to prove that he's he's next in line. Yep. Um, but I think, uh, I think Max gets the job done there. Obviously, with Connor and and uh, Dustin coming up, that's gonna be that's gonna be a great fight. I was really excited for Leon and uh, I know and Cosma, but yeah, that's what twice that it fell through in like a month. Yeah, 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 two or three times, and then I guess they're gonna reschedule that. They want that fight to happen, but Kiesa and um, Ma- uh, Magni and Magni is a great fight too. Yeah, so obviously, uh, still a big fight, but I. Uh, Definitely want to see how how legit uh, Cosmat is because Leon is no joke and he's got that same chip on his shoulder where he's he's on a huge win streak and he's trying to get a title shot and. But Leon I'm Leon not, needs that that credit that street cred because with the whole thing that happened with Masvidal he like not only do people not give him enough attention and credit um, he needs like a big win over like a, a guy who's you know who has the star power they're pushing kind of thing to really say hey like I told you I've been here I told you I'm good exactly so, yeah. and people forget. You know, like he he hasn't fought in what over a year and a half. It's been a while, yeah. When he fight RDA, um, been a bit a while ago, and so people forget. You know, people people only remember what you did last. And I mean, if it was a while ago, it's like, what have you done lately? And Cosmo has just been yeah running running through guys. I mean, obviously they're not top ten, top fifteen guys in the world, but but it's not a bad way to start your it's not a bad way to start your UFC career. If you get punched once in your or whatever it is in two fights, um, you're something special. So it'll be interesting to see how how good he is, and I'm I'm hoping they just reschedule that fight and uh, it happens uh, happens later down the road. Yeah, um, I think is it Hooker and Chandler for the the same McGregor card? Yeah, yeah. They just I said mean, that was a that's a scrap too. Dude, not only is that a scrap, that's a great you know, showing, showing off party for, for Chandler. Like 
I wasn't sure when they were going to put him against anybody, but against Hooker and in the McGregor card, you know. Yeah, I was hoping they were going to give him Paul. Um, that would have been great, yeah. But, but um, Dan's, a great, Dan's a great fight. Um, Dan's going to challenge him to have his hands full. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how he transitions to kind of being in the UFC. And, I mean, Dan's had some... Some wars his past his past two fights, you know, with Paul, Paul and Poirier, yeah, and Poirier, and I mean he almost he almost finished us in that I think it was that third round, um, where he hurt him pretty bad, and I mean Dan's yeah. no, Dan's t- a problem for anyone in the division, yeah. you know. So t- it'll be t- interesting to see how how Chandler does, and uh, that's such a great fight too. So whoever wins that fight, obviously, is going to get a get a huge fight. Next, but it'll be interesting to see what they do with that division too. Just because. Do you think they get? Um, do you think they get the offer the title to to the winner of Conor Poirier, or it, do they fight for the title after that? Because that that's not for the belt, right? But I, I heard no, something. It's not for the belt. I think it's gonna. If Conor wins, um, I think Khabib will come back. You think so? I think they'll they'll have enough negotiating power. To to get Khabib back, um, if Dustin wins, I think Khabib will stay retired. Yeah. Um, just because I mean, unless he fights, unless like GSP comes back at fifty five or something, and like yeah, they yeah. fight for that belt, you know, I like, doubt if something yeah. crazy like that happens, you know. You th- do you think Connor Khabib? So have, were you around when Khabib was around, being obviously with with DC? Yeah. Yeah, the cool thing was last camp uh, with DC, um, Khabib was was training for uh, for Gaethje. Um No, what was no? It was Poirier, probably. Poirier, yeah. When he fought Poirier in Abu Dhabi, um, he was in camp, so he finished his camp a little bit before DC's fight against Stipe, uh, the second one, and. Um, so yeah, I was there the whole time. Khabib was okay. was on in the room, and it's a different energy, man. Uh, when all the when all the Dagestanis are in town, um, it's a different energy. And so, I've been to that. I've been to Dagestan before, and you can see why it breeds hard people. Right. Right. It's, it's a wild place. Yeah. And so there, and there's only more and more savages coming out of there. I know. You know? I mean, I think there's only one American champion now. And Isn't that crazy? They have taken over. <laughs> we, we used to have, we used to have all the belts, you know, yeah. and now it's it's Brazil, Russia, um, yeah, it's Brazil and Russia seem to be the the new. Well, Brazil's always been there, but Russia seems yeah. to be the kind of country that's coming up and and breeding that next. Uh, next generation of just world class. Which is great because it only pushes everybody else forward, you know. The Americans push forward because they got to compete at that level, and it's just everybody kind of makes everybody better. So, can't hurt. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting year. So, I mean, hopefully, crowds come back. Um, but yeah, fights have been crazy. You know, with the whole pandemic, um, the UFC's really kind of stepped outside of what the what other sports were doing, and they've. I've I mean I've worked a few fight weeks now, and they the the whole fight island. Um, like their protocols for it and 
the whole thing is all the logistics is just crazy what what they've been able to do and what they've been able to kind of just figure out in a short period of time is is crazy like the fight island was sick yeah like the the whole setup and everything was was just crazy the logistics of that are probably a complete nightmare but the fact that they're getting that done and with such big fights yeah um is so impressive and it, it makes me proud of proud of the ufc and and the fighters being part of it and like what they've done and it's helped a lot of people through this i mean there's been mm-hmm. weeks where like i wasn't working and we're during we're in the pandemic and it was like that's what i was looking forward to was these fights you know it's, yeah. it's, it gave us something to look forward to and um got these guys paid where they could feed their families and um kept people entertained and i think that's the most important thing right now um especially all over the world it needs it yep i agree Perfect way to end it, man. More to, to here's to more fighting, right? This year is going to be a good one, I think. Yeah, I hope so, man. It's, it's. I think a lot of people had a lot of time to figure out exactly what what makes them happy when they had a lot of things kind of taken away and out of their control. So, I think this is a year a lot of people kind of slowly get back to the new normal and um, do the things that 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 make them happy. And I mean, I realize how much how important time with family is. Like, mm-hmm. I think I've spent a lot, of, a lot of time with my family as an adult, and my parents as an adult. So going back to the states and working on recipes with my dad and all that was awesome. So it's it's kind of newfound, uh, just laying low, and the importance of like this time with yourself and time with your family. I didn't realize how important that is. And cause, man, I was living out my backpack for the past two and a half years. I was going to every single UFC card all over the world, and it was great. You know, it was great, it kept me busy. But then, like, when I kind of slowed down, I realized, like, I was like, damn, that was two and a half years. Of just yeah. Zoom by. Yeah. Zoom by. Yeah. You know? So, it definitely, lots of stamps in my passport, but I'm definitely enjoying the, the low time here, training. And uh, I think Bali is the best place in the world to be right now. I mean, they, they, they closed down eight months ago, so the COVID cases are relatively low here. Okay. Um, so it's pretty normal. Like it's weird. This like you'll see like restaurants are pretty packed and it's, yeah. it's man, it's packed. It's all bizarre and everybody's doing it different and it's almost like you can't. You just gotta. I don't know. We gotta let it let it happen. You know, it'll slowly yeah, get back to normal. On, yeah, just you gotta focus, focus on, on yourself, man. Because okay, yeah, if you, if you get caught up trying to worry about what that guy's doing or yeah, that person's not wearing it's it's. It's a whole nother can of worms, you know. So just focus on your happiness. Focus on, on what you can control, and uh, exactly that's that's what I learned through all this is is be being control what you can, and what you can't control is not <laughs> not worth not worth getting. Fired. No, not worth the stress, man. It's a, you're not going to be able to fix it. <laughs> so you know, stay healthy, wear a mask, man. That's all you can do. So, yeah. but. All right, brother. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure having you on, man. Anytime you want to chat fights, I'm here. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm there, man. <laughs> that was Ian Larios coming at you from Bali. Um, cool dude. Great story. Uh, awesome tips for all you, all you non-fighters out there like myself. Um, you know, small commitments, you know, little by little. Uh, don't, don't commit to something too crazy and, uh, and you'll be all right. So... That was it. Another episode of Cage Side. See you guys next week.